0: This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. You can plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for better coverage, better rates, and better customer service. They've been providing Tennesseans with the home field advantage for almost 75 years. With Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith, and we're in Tampa, Florida. Day two of practices between the Titans and the Buccaneers. And we're joined by Titans Radio's head coach, Dave McGinnis, to give us kind of a wrap-up of the two days. Coach Mack, welcome.
1: Thank you. It's always great to be with you guys.
0: All right, so Coach Mike Vrabel was um, at the podium after practice, after he visited with Tom Brady for a second day in a row, and he was asked how he thought the team looked today, and he said, uh, I thought we sucked.
1: Okay, well, that's pretty that's pretty. Clear, isn't it?
0: it was really clear. I thought he was kidding at first.
2: The delivery sounded almost like he was being ironic, and then he doubled down uh, on he it. He said it again. And you were like, oh.
0: Oh, he's not happy. That's his answer. Yeah. For him to come out and say that, uh, obviously, that would indicate he's not pleased with what he saw on day two. I think he was pretty pleased on day one. So what was not as good today in the mind of Rabel as? Yesterday.
1: Let me answer it this way. Now, the three of us, we, we distinctly watched one group every day. So the first day, you know, we watched the defense. All right, and then the next day, we watched the offense. Well, Mike Verable kind of switched that, and so we thought the, the 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 first day that we watched the defense really had a nice day, a, a nice day. Okay, well. Clearly today, they didn't have as nice a day. And I don't think, and, and what he said, and we were watching the offense today, they weren't quite as clean in a lot of things that they were doing. Now, they had one starter on the offensive line playing. Right. You know, Dylan Raiden swapping both sides. One starter being Roger Saffold, you know, was playing on the offensive line. Uh, the, receiving group, the receiving group was down. They were down to, to running back three. But the, the, both quarterbacks, and I say both quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill, And Logan Woods were not real sharp today. They were not very sharp. We watched them early on, and my opinion was in the the one-on-ones in the red zone, both single and double, one-on-ones, one one against one, and then two two against two. They were pretty decent. But once it got to the team, and the other thing that happened, and I know you're going to hit this, is it got to the way every time you do this, the second day gets. It got real, real chippy and most of it came from the special teams period. Four
0: scuffles, four pretty big fights. They, the two head coaches basically say, well, there weren't punches thrown, there weren't fights. Antonio Brown ripped a, guy, a Titan's helmet off, so it, you know, it got a little... Maybe it wasn't technically a fight like Joe Frazier against Muhammad <laughs> Ali, but I, I, there would have been penalties thrown had this been a football game based on what happened. And it felt as though... Tampa thought they got worked a little bit on Wednesday. Bruce Arians even alluded to that in what he, his coaches, he said, that we, their butts got chewed out. And so they came with a little extra juice today.
1: Well, you know, from personal experience of having done this and worked against several teams during my coaching career in the National Football League when we did this in training camp, if you are the team that didn't quite come out on top the first day, you can guarantee – Mike, that's that's exactly what was happening in in their facilities last night going, really? Okay, you think this is all right? Is this how we got to be world champions? This group right here won the AFC South, but they should have won the world championship the way they played today against you. Is this okay with you? And you could tell you could tell that's what it was. And it started it always starts with the gunner drill. Because the gunner drill is a now Let's lot-
0: explain what this is. Oh, go ahead. Okay, so it's, it's a punt cover unit. The punt team has the two men on the outside, which are gunners. And that guy is being held up generally by two guys. So he's working on getting through the double team. The opposing team is working on putting on a better double team. And where it started was the Titans punting, sending the gunner down. The Buccaneers with two guys trying to hold him up. And from there, the gunner drill went awry.
1: Well, absolutely it does. And they work it like this. They work two against one on one side mm-hmm. and one on one on the other side. The other thing about it is it's always the second day. So everybody is gunned up. It's live. It's live until the whistle. And that's a whistle that's 40 yards down the field. And the other thing that is so true about it is, is these guys are fighting for jobs these are the truly guys that are fighting for jobs and so once it got started and once it the other thing that happens is everybody else on the team they're watching Mm -hmm. no nothing else is going on have an audience the only group that is not just right there on the on the line watching everybody are the are the linemen because you know they're off a little bit but they're paying attention because they know what's going on over there and once it once somebody and it happened the first time today, when the Titans were the Gunners and and the and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the double team, they took him to the ground. I mean, and body, Brown. yeah, and body slammed him. I mean, body slammed him. The whistle blew, mm-hmm. and the whistle blown means now we're going to body slam you, <laughs> and that's exactly exactly what happened. And it was on from then on.
2: Yeah, and I think another thing that we have to take into account because we've talked a lot about how the Bucks after day one went back to work and had that film to evaluate. The other thing we have to remember is the Titans, after having a good day, also had film that they went back and evaluated and they had things they were trying to work on and accomplish. And so some of that, that the specific things that maybe we are not privy to, exactly what they wanted to work on, what they wanted to improve upon, the notes that they had been given to try and correct today in practice, if Mike Vrabel didn't see those things happening, that could contribute to his overall analysis of how the day went. Great point. Yeah.
0: And the other part of it, too, several of the Titans' biggest name players did not practice today. Correct. And even if they were out there, Derrick Henry was out there just for some individual, but he didn't get involved in any of the team periods. Taylor Lewan was off to a bike very quickly after individual. No A.J. Brown, no Julio Jones. I mean, several of the best players for the Titans were not out there. And you mentioned in the offensive line, Roger Saffold was the only starter that practiced in team periods. There were more Bucks starters that practiced than Titans starters. Now what I wonder is how hard is it to sit and evaluate that tape? Because Bruce Arian set up front. We're not playing the starters in the game Saturday night. Correct. Wednesday and Thursday are our days and then those guys are sitting. So how hard is it to evaluate when the world champions have more of their good players than the Titans had on the field today?
1: When the coaches are looking at it, they are going to take into account who it is. But (laughs) psychologically, it was a great move today by Vrabel because these young guys are going to be playing in this game. And so how gunned up do you think they're going to be on Saturday to rebound from today?
0: Well, they better be, right? Well, they're
1: going to be. They're going to be because – but to to judge – the coaches really love this because now you're – I watched Dylan Radins quite a bit today. And the first snap in team that I saw him going against in a run period – Indomitian Sioux on the other side. Now, I promise you, he played one game in college last year against Arkansas State. Indomitian Sioux didn't play at Arkansas State. No. no. Right? And, he's and, probably
0: never been to no, Arkansas no. and State. He's
1: never no. seen anybody like Indomitian Sioux for that many snaps face-to-face. And it was a great thing for him. Now, was he perfect? No. But he wasn't. He was pretty decent. We all three sat there and watched it and went, okay. So, I think they, you know, liked it a lot, watching them do that. But at the same time, you want to be honest with your players. And I think maybe what Mike was talking about, too, was just the overall tone and the timbre of it. Whether those four dust-ups had anything to do with it, I don't, because I agree. I've seen much worse fights. I've seen fights that cleared the field and you couldn't practice together again. I've been involved in those. That wasn't this.
2: Coach Mack you're a pretty experienced guy you coached in the league for a little while the concentration of the work that you are able to do in a joint practice is it more than what you're able to do when you're practicing against your own team
1: yes it's invaluable it's invaluable now the intensity of it you could not practice like this for a straight week right because it, it, it it's like it's it's a game tempo practice and the players will tell you that I mean it's I mean when you get ready for this stuff, I mean, you put the tape on a little tighter because it's it's a game. You you couldn't do this for a week. Two days is perfect.
0: Roger Saffold said in the post-practice interview that these really were two games. Yes. That Wednesday and Thursday were two games in his mind in terms of the intensity and the effort that you had. So that's why you've really got to take Friday off.
1: Sure. You've got to take Friday off, and you've got the way that we came into it. You know, they had, they had the practice for the fans, you know, at, at Nissan Stadium, but that wasn't a, a full go. No. So No, you, you're, in, you're still in training camp, and that's why you only do – some people have done two of these, but you did two of these mainly when you still had four weeks of, you know, of what was going on. Now we've got three weeks of it. I mean, once is enough. I always felt like once was enough because you get geared up for it mentally and you've got to get geared up for it physically.
0: And you're out of town. You know, the team left Tuesday afternoon, so you're away, you know, Tuesday night, Wednesday, Thursday practice. Friday you're going to do some meeting-type stuff and walk-through-type things or some sort of light practice. Saturday night you play the game, and then you're getting home very early in the morning on Sunday, so it's a long period of time.
1: It's a long period of time, and, and clearly the visiting team in these types of situations have more stress on them. Sure. More, there's much more stress, and there's, stress, there's much more stress throughout the whole organization. I mean, I've just done it with a, from a lot of different levels, and I know, I mean, guys, the stress, let's talk about it. We're talking about a Titans podcast here. The stress for our equipment crew. I mean, they've got to they get washing done every day. They don't have their stuff, so they've got to get the Tampa people to wash their stuff, and then they've got to go get it, bring it back to the hotel, sort it, lay it out. Do, it's a stress. When you're the visiting group, there's going to be some added stress on you for what you brought up and then just the daily organization of it.
0: Well, especially in COVID circumstances no, that that's... we still have going on. It's not the lockdown type thing that we were doing a year ago. But there are still protocols that you have to meet that make moving around much harder.
1: Well, we found that out the first day, right? I mean, you, we still have to wear the tracers. You, everybody has to wear the tracers. And you're not getting on that field if you don't have a tracer on. And so that's a great point, Mike. I and mean, we left
0: is- ours at the hotel.
2: It was a long story, but it turned out fine.
0: We had to go back and get the tracers before we could watch the first. We missed 10 minutes of practice. But, yeah, I mean, it was. Can I so, say something? Sure.
1: I stayed there while y'all came back to get the well, tracers. Well, you watched practice. I watched practice, yeah. and then I got, I got some red beads from the pirate lady handing them out there to the, to the fans. So I made out really well. <laughs> I got beads and tracer. You sat,
0: <laughs> you sat in the stands while we went back to the, to the hotel. <laughs> I want to talk about Caleb Farley for a
1: second. Yes, let's do.
0: Okay, so Caleb Farley, first-round pick, Virginia Tech, started preseason on NFI, coming off the back surgery, worked his way in. He comes to Tampa having done more over the last few weeks but did not play in the Atlanta preseason game. So, this is sort of a a bit of a baptism in a different way for him. Yesterday, has pretty nice practice going against Mike Evans. Today, got worked.
1: Got worked. Got worked. Got
0: worked. And so, for him, having both things happen, good and bad, that's about the best thing that could happen to him, right? Well,
1: you're so on, you're so on point with that. It's the best thing that could happen to him because Mike Evans is Mike Evans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so and people nationally made a big deal out of that play he made on that deep ball. The first day, against. going, well, here's Caleb Farley, you know, knocking away a deep pass from Mike Evans. Well, Mike Evans goes, okay, all right, let's try it again. Think so? Let's <laughs> try it again. Let's try it. And that's the best thing that could happen. To, to Caleb Farley, it really is because he's got to he's got to realize that that's the world that he is going to be living in now for the rest of his NFL career. Now, sooner or later, what we want him to develop into is to be that dude that, you know, that some young receivers going, wow, if I could just get open one time in a joint practice against a Caleb Farley, I'd really be doing good. And so that that happened to him down here in those practices in valuable time, invaluable.
2: He's a first round draft pick, but he's still a rookie. So he's still going to have those same welcome to the NFL moments.
1: Well and he didn't
0: have one in a preseason game. And no. he didn't so he's even just a little bit behind and yet he's still having have had the opportunity to get this experience on August 18th and 19th not September 12th.
2: Absolutely. So he's in a really good spot where he is coming back into the fold. We're seeing him do a little bit more every single day and he's still able to participate in these experiences that are helping him have those moments, kind of understand where he fits in in that pecking order a little bit. He is able to make plays, and we've seen some of that potential in there, which is great, but there's also the realization that he is still very new to this level of play. And I think that watching him progress and get better and better, yeah, you see flashes and you get really excited, but we can't put all of our eggs in the Caleb Farley being the top contributor in the entire world come September twelfth. Like the, he's still a rookie, he's still new, it's gonna and be he's, he's going to continue to have these moments. It doesn't mean he's backsliding. It means he's a rookie.
1: What year did he play his last really real game where he was tackling people? Twenty nineteen. Thank you.
2: There
0: you go. And that was only his second year to ever play defensive back.
2: So he's doing okay.
1: Even more, thank you. And and to me, the thing that the thing that happens with with this is that those learning experiences, I mean, they make deep marks Mm -hmm. on rookies. And if you take those deep marks as a positive, you will accelerate your learning curve.
0: Well, and what we've seen, so Raden's is a week and a half ahead of Farley.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: And Raden's really struggled the first day in pads. Absolutely. And to see him today, he's a different player. He looked like a competent NFL offensive lineman. If you watched him practice today, you didn't think rookie. Right. You, you thought that's a competent NFL offensive lineman doing his job. Not saying he's all pro. Not saying he's going to Canton. Just saying he's doing a job. Give Caleb Farley 10 more days. And let's have the same conversation.
1: We all three stood there, and we were we were going to watch ratings. And we were standing in the end zone. They were running a run period in the end zone from the ten yard line, right about fifteen yards from us, so we could see everything. We focused on him solely. And the first thing that you said, Mike Keith, was Sue's lined up on him. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Good." Mm-hmm. And it and it was it was, a, it was an outside zone run. He got, it, him. got a head around there. He blocked him, and in the back went outside. And those things, just as you said. You can see the the progression. And, I, and, and people, you know, I, I want our listeners to understand the NFL is not an instant, I mean, it's not an instant get. It's just not.
2: Someone else that looks a lot more confident in what they're doing is Mason Kinsey. And I've noticed that from the Atlanta Falcons game to now. When he had some success in that game and he was able to get his feet under him a little bit. Not saying he's the best wide receiver I've ever seen in my entire life forever and he's going to change our entire offense, but he looks more confident. He looks like he's thinking less and playing more.
0: Clearly. Yep. And and clearly he has a different body than he had a year ago when he was in training camp. Yep. He understands the routine in his second training camp. He understood the physical rigors. He understands the little things clearly better. He knows what he's supposed to do. Now, is he going to be good enough to make this football team? I think that's the question that's still out there right now. And a Nick Westbrook-Akina and his performance makes that tougher because, Coach, Nick Westbrook-Akina continues to play receiver well, and he's a good special teams player. If you're going to be wide receiver four or five and be on the 53, but most especially up on the 48 on game day, you've got to be able to play teams.
1: Nick Westbrook-Akina is one player that I think can come out of these uh, the two days of practice against Tampa Bay feeling pretty good about himself because both days, both days individually, because we, we've all three focused on him today, and all he does is make plays. He just continues to make catches. you know. And, and she, bring, she brings up Kenzie. I mean, today, or not, you know, the second day, he was hard to cover mm-hmm. in those little short zone routes. And both of these guys, uh, for the, and I know you two guys understand this for our listeners, both of these guys understand how thin the wire is they're walking on. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see them practicing like they are.
2: Improvement. It's improvement from one minute to the next. No matter what your situation is or where you've came in, to be able to see marked improvement from one period of time to another period of time that's what everyone's trying to do
1: that's where the thing that people need to understand for players like this the mental strain is much harder than the physical strain because every day they've got to get dialed in every they, they can't have an off day and you can't do that if you're not just mentally that's all you're thinking of
0: well I think about two the fact now Westbrook Aquina initially made the football team on the practice squad and then he was promoted right before the Denver game and then he never went backward so his life changed in the, in the space of time with the practice squad set up this year as it was last year for a guy like Mason Kenzie if he can get on the practice squad then He's probably going to have a good chance at some point to get on the active roster and make that mark. And so there's more of an opening and there's more of an opportunity, whereas the practice squad before was much more just about development
1: is restrictive it was very restrictive it's not restrictive now and you make a very wonderful point because if he's on if kenzie's on the practice squad guess what he's doing he's running slot routes every day as a as a scout look against the the number one defense every day every day every day and getting better and better at that and so it's a great point and that's why but to get there to that he can't afford to have a slide back no. When you're that player, when you're those players, guys, I mean, it's, it's you know, and, and having counseled players for a long time when I was coaching during these times, the mental strain sometimes is much worse than the physical strain on them.
0: But to your point, Amy, it doesn't seem to be getting to him. <laughs> His consistency level, speaking of Mason Kenzie his consistency level feels like it's there all the time now.
2: Right, and it seems like that is something that has set in in the last week or so. It feels like he had some success and saw that he could perform in that space, in the space of a National Football League game, and really be successful. And it also helps he was able to do it in front of his family and his friends, and he had a big moment afterwards. All of that is confidence boosters, though. And I think that being able to translate that success – to the practice field and continue to be consistent in what you're doing and grow on that that's a big deal well
0: and not just be the happy story
2: right oh yeah no I mean I that, don't that think ha- he wants that I
0: mean we like the happy story the crowd the crowd likes the happy story but I mean, this is a guy who's coming out of a d3 school In in Barry College, and I don't know if you know much about Barry College, it's a really good school. It costs $52,000 a year to go to school there.
1: That's a very good school.
0: Well, (laughs) at, at, at D3, there are no athletic scholarships. Nope. He was working 20 hours a week during the school year and then 40 hours a week during the summer to pay the tuition and the room and board to play not just football, but also to run track at Barry College. And so it's a great story. They've they've only had a football program for eight years. And so if he makes this roster, you know, you're pulling for him. You're excited. But all that, throw that out the window. I, I'm not trying to just throw water on it. But the fact is, can he help the Tennessee Titans win?
1: That's all that matters.
0: They're not keeping him up to make him inactive on game day, they're they're not going to keep him up because they think he's a good guy and a good story. Can he help the Tennessee Titans win? It is that kind of business. The fact of the matter is the way he's been performing since Atlanta gives you confidence that he's not just a story. He looks like a professional football player, and it's almost as if the great story – is very much in the rearview mirror. Last year, it was more of a story than what it is right now because of what Amy said, how he's performing.
1: Well, And that's so well put because at the end of the day, all the stories are nice, but the stories are only nice if he's helping you win games on Sunday, on Monday, or on Thursday because that is all that matters in what we're doing right now.
0: Best news of the day, Monty Rice came back to practice today. When he was carted off yesterday with the lower leg injury, we were scared that it was something going to keep him out for a long time, and he was right back on the horse today, which gives him a chance to continue the progress he's made. Coach Mack,
1: that was a plus. That was a huge plus. You know, we, uh, I talked to Jim Haslett, you know, in the, in the lobby last night before we all went to dinner, just about, you know, kind of his young his young linebackers, and and he was really wanting and hoping that this wasn't what happened wasn't going to keep uh, young Monty Rice out of the second day of practice and clearly it didn't I was really happy to see him out there.
0: Farm Bureau Health Plans they've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947 they offer a great health care coverage you need with a price tag you can afford and they present this podcast any further thoughts on day two in Tampa Amy Wells anything stand out to you?
2: I hate to say that I thought it was a good practice because the head coach said the exact opposite thing.
0: Yeah, he went further. I, I mean, I thought Tampa was better today, but I didn't. I guess I didn't realize because we couldn't see everything.
2: And that's the thing that these joint practices for me are very much a sensory overload experience there is so much happening simultaneously that I really have to commit to I am looking at this this and this and nothing else because uh, otherwise I'll look at everything and see nothing
1: that that you know what that means it means you're a veteran at doing this because that's exactly what you have to do oh thanks coach Matt well you are I mean you can't you and you put it very well if you're trying to watch everything you will see nothing and so and Mike Keith made the decision that we, the three of us, and anybody else that wanted to stand with us, which we don't like people standing with us.
0: uh, (laughs) That's not true. uh,
1: (laughs) We were going to watch defense day one, and we were going to watch offense day two. That's the only way that you can approach these things and get any type of evaluation or something something concrete to talk about is watch it like that because what you said is – 100% true. And I will say this, you were watching and concentrating on that, but you were a little scared of where the alligator was. I saw you check the alligator gate a couple of times.
2: I hate to take up time talking about this, but it was something that genuinely was on my mind for longer than it should have been because there were confirmed alligators on the property. I know they stuck to their little pond area, but they still exist. And there was a gate surrounding the pond, which, great, I don't think alligators can climb.
0: It'd be nice if they could open the gate. Well, really the be gate
2: was open. They didn't even have to. Gates open the whole time.
0: Well, it's Florida.
2: So if there's some sort of alligator stampede, I don't know if you can get rushed by a gator. I but don't if think you can, so. I'm in trouble. You're supposed to run in a zigzag pattern away from them. That's all I know. I don't know anything. I don't know. You
0: had to bring it up. What oh, did I, you know I did. I you don't just, know how to protect st- myself. You're stirring it up.
1: I couldn't, I couldn't stand it because I watched her looking back. I said, what are you looking for? She said, that gator gate's open. I said, it might come in here.
2: <laughs> there were two of them. So there's one that could have been a distraction. The other one could have got you from behind. If they're working as a team.
0: I don't think they work as a team.
2: I don't know what alligators do. I'm from Missouri. We don't deal with these problems there.
1: It could have been like two Gators double-pressing a gunner. That, could be Dude, two that was what it
0: looked like when they threw Fred Brown. To the, tight- the ground, <laughs> the <laughs> tight- And you know what? Fred Brown had a good day. He did. I, I mean, here's the thing, and, and Vrabel even complimented him. I mean, here's Fred Brown, a, a veteran wide receiver out of Mississippi State. Uh, not a young receiver. I mean, he's been in the league for a while. Been with the Broncos, fighting as a special teams player. He can make the roster. And – you know, he's he's kind of got a little moxie as a wideout, wearing number 82. He had a good day today. It was almost as if they made him mad. Yes. They did. And, I think they did make him mad. And then they mad. were jawing at him when he was on the field with the offense. Yes, the, they were. The Tampa players were all over him. But, you know, he, it may be fun to watch him Saturday night because he may come with a little extra juice. I have a feeling the Titans will show up with some juice after how their head coach went after him today.
1: I have a feeling you're right.
2: It's going to be a fun game on Saturday. It
0: will be fun. Remember, 6.30 is the kickoff Central time. Titans Radio is on the air at 5.30 Central on 104.5 The Zone in Nashville and all of the fine Titans radio stations throughout the Mid-South. Thanks for doing this. Oh, it's great. And thanks for joining us for our video features that we've had for well, TennesseeTitans.com. Video Tennessee features Tennessee were, Titans.
1: Were, very, were very cool. They really were. Uh, got Fer- no one tomorrow previewing the game. Ashley Farrell does a great job of producing those, and we were, you know, in a great spot out there. And it's just this—this this has been fun. This has really been fun, and it, I think it's been informative for our listeners and our viewers and Titans fans. That's why we do it, right? That's good stuff.
0: Good stuff for Amy Wells and Coach Dave McGinnis and Ashley Farrell. I'm Mike Keith. Thanking you for joining us for the OTP. Welcome. avec